Welcome to episode 178 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about the injunctions against the Democrats' vaccine mandates. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as what the heck is going on in Australia related to COVID, stagflation, let's go Brandon, the January 6th incident at the Capitol, or the supremacy of federal law comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. I often say what the media and politicians don't say is often more important than what they do say. It's the silence is violence that I referenced in the previous episode, episode 177. Here are a few examples from previous decades. Fast and Furious, Benghazi, Ted Kennedy, JFK's women. Here are a few recent examples. Evidence of Hunter and Joe Biden's decades-long influence peddling and bribery. Planned Parenthood caught selling baby parts. Jeffrey Epstein, the treatment of the January 6th protesters in the D.C. jail. To me, the most glaring example of silence is violence on the part of the National Democrats and the alphabet soup conspiracy media is their silence on COVID. Where do I even start? Therapeutics like ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, monoclonal antibodies, to natural immunity, to the vaccine's efficacy? What about masks not working, or lockdowns, or how the vaccinated spread the virus? I mean, how many people have died unnecessarily because they lack knowledge about how to fight COVID, either prophylactically or post-infection? I know of several people who died from COVID who, instead of getting treated early in their infections with ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, monoclonal antibodies, vitamin C, D, and zinc, pregnisone, NAD, etc., they stayed home in quarantine until it was too late. If our national health leaders were truly concerned about the health of Americans, they would give us all the information, shout it from the mountaintops, put it on billboards, and plaster it all over the nightly news. It's pathetic that famous people who get sick get their medical advice from Joe Rogan. Rogan recently admitted that he regularly gets calls from people in his rather large sphere of influence asking his advice on COVID treatments. In a sane world run by non-authoritarians, one where doctors honor their Hippocratic oath, one where the media reported the truth rather than the one we currently reside in, where politicians, predominantly Democrats, would rather realize their innate desire to be authoritarians and totalitarians by forcing unconstitutional policy prescriptions down the throats of the electorate. That's nothing new. Once they saw what the democratically controlled government could get away with with Obamacare, it was game on. COVID offered the next opportunity. In this episode, I'm going to spend time walking through the various injunctions granted by various courts in various parts of the country against the Democrats' immoral, illegal, and unconstitutional vaccine mandate. The words of these judges can be used to not only shed light on the truth of the COVIDian cult, 
the lies and propaganda that we have been fed for the last 18 to 20 months, but it can also restore some level of confidence in the broken American system of government. As I am sure you are aware, in September, Biden shuffled to a podium and just announced or decreed like a king that going forward, any employer with more than 100 employees would be fined, quite heavily I might add, if they did not implement and enforce the COVID-19 vaccine mandate on all of their employees by January 2022. Thankfully, an onslaught of lawsuits were filed across the country and several injunctions have been issued. So essentially, the first one was private businesses with 100 or more employees, where the Democrats were bullying employers to enforce a vaccine mandate or require weekly testing and or straight up firing of the unvaxxed. Then we had the Center for Medicare Medicaid Services, CMS, where the Democrats were intimidating healthcare systems that receive Medicaid or Medicare payments, which of course is most systems. They were intimidating them into enforcing the vaccine mandate on their employees or straight up firing them. You know, because they work in healthcare and only the unvaxxed can spread the virus. That, of course, is horseshit. As I've discussed in other episodes, the vaccinated carry the same, if not higher, viral loads than the unvaxxed. The vaccinated are contracting the virus at higher rates than they were last year. And the vaccinated spread the virus just like the unvaxxed. And finally, there was the federal worker, federal contractor case, where the feds argue that contractors or subcontractors working in connection with federal contracts must be vaccinated for COVID-19. So let's start with the injunction granted against OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, the 100-plus employee mandate. Now, I covered this extensively in episode 174, but I'll do a quick recap here. The court made the following general findings. Number one, the OSHA mandate was over-exclusive. In other words, one-size-fits-all sledgehammer, as the judge said. And it was under-inclusive because it did not apply to employers with 100 or fewer workers. The judge's point in this one-size-fits-all comment was why he asked questions about the government's rejection of alternative solutions, such as daily or weekly testing, wearing masks or shields, natural immunity, or social distancing. Number two, the OSHA mandate was not an emergency response which was required under law in order for OSHA to have any type of authority. The judge pointed out that it can't be an emergency since OSHA spent two months from September to November responding to it. And number three, the OSHA mandate grossly exceeded OSHA's statutory authority. There were also, quote, gratuitous statutory and constitutional problems, as the judge said. The judge said the OSHA mandate exceeded the federal government's authority under the Commerce Clause because it regulated non-economic inactivity, a person's choice to remain unvaccinated. That falls squarely within the state's police power. Additionally, the court found irreparable harm to the petitioner's liberty interests of having to choose between their jobs and the vaccine. The court agreed to the stay or injunction to maintain the liberty of individuals to make intensely personal decisions, even when those decisions frustrate government officials. As I put it in episode 174, I would have loved to have been the plaintiff's attorney for this case. I would have put one government official after another on the stand and asked them a series of questions such as, where in these 73 pages of the Constitution does it delegate the power to the federal government to get involved in private businesses? Or, 
Where is the Department of Labor in these 73 pages? Where is OSHA? Where is workplace safety mentioned? Or what about vaccines? The memorandum went on to say the vaccine mandate exceeds OSHA's authority under the Occupational Safety and Health Act. In other words, Congress did not grant OSHA such sweeping powers in the authorizing statute. And that was followed by a series of additional reasons for granting the injunction. The emergency authority they asked for was not related to the workplace, which is supposedly OSHA's domain, workplace-related hazards, not any hazard one might encounter anywhere in the world. Another argument is, in order to meet the emergency threshold, the statute requires employees to be exposed to grave danger from exposure to substances or agents determined to be toxic or physically harm or from new hazards, which is not the case here. There's no grave danger and there's no toxic substances. So one of the lessons you can take away is executive orders issued by any president only apply to the executive branch not to the private sector. The second injunction against the vaccine mandate was the one against CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. In this one in particular, it established that COVID-19 vaccination requirements for staff and service providers and suppliers for Medicare and Medicaid. Regarding the rejection of a natural immunity exception, the judge found it puzzling that there was a rejection of a natural immunity exception. He said, quote, the evidence that the defendant relied upon in rejecting that alternative, that is, to natural immunity, is not provided. However, the plaintiffs cited studies from Qatar, which tracked 900,000 individuals, California, which tracked the infection rates from over 5 million patients, all of which overwhelmingly conclude that natural immunity provides equivalent or greater protection against severe infection than immunity generated by COVID-19 vaccines. So don't miss the part here where the government provided no evidence or reasons to support their rejection of a natural immunity exception. That is very telling and will come up again later. The judge continued, the CMS mandate does not yet require boosters to the COVID-19 vaccines. However, the CDC recently recommended boosters. If boosters are needed six months after being fully vaccinated, then how good are the COVID-19 vaccines? Why is it necessary to mandate them? Those are the judge's words. You say that type of thing on social media and you risk being canceled. You think CNN or MSNBC would report something like that? The memorandum continues with this tidbit about preventing transmission. Additionally, the plaintiff states provided evidence in the declaration of Dr. Peter McCullough that the COVID-19 vaccines do not prevent transmission of the disease among the vaccinated or mixed vaccinated unvaccinated populations, and that mandatory COVID-19 vaccines for hospitals do not increase safety for employees or hospital patients. McCullough declared that additional treatments with other drugs and supplements has resulted in an 85% reduction in hospitalization and death of high-risk individuals presenting with COVID-19. Of note, Dr. McCullough declared the Delta variant accounts for 98.9% of present cases in the United States, United Kingdom, and Israel. He further declared that because of the progressive mutation of the spike protein, the virus has achieved an immune escape from COVID-19 vaccines. He stated the Delta variant is not adequately covered by the vaccines. In other words, even if you're fully vaccinated, you still may become infected with the COVID-19 virus. 
This is coming from a legal memorandum. Remember that. Also remember that the government did not dispute any of these claims. The memo continues. Although CMS spent pages and pages attempting to explain the need for mandatory COVID-19 vaccines when infection and hospitalization rates are dropping, millions of people have already been infected, developing some form of natural immunity, and when people who have been fully vaccinated still become infected, mandatory vaccines as the only method of prevention makes no sense. This is backed up by a number of declarations of various individuals that verify healthcare worker shortages because a significant number of healthcare workers remain unvaccinated. And they point out the harm that that will cause to the facilities in the event that even a few of the unvaccinated workers quit or are fired as a result of the mandate. In other words, the mandate's going to hurt the patients in which the fired or quit workers were serving. What sense does that make? The memo continues. Other arguments made by the plaintiff states are based upon a violation of the state's police power, violation of the spending clause, violation of the Tenth Amendment, and violation of the anti-commandeering doctrine. Then the judge provides us and the government, the defendant, a fifth-grade civics lesson. Check this out. Plaintiff states maintain that the CMS mandate must be enjoined because it exceeds government defendant's authority. So imagine the rest of this being uh, read in court in, the, in a condescending tone. Only Congress and the legislative branch has the authority to make laws. The executive branch must take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Because the executive branch cannot make laws, it is given its power through acts of Congress. None of these statutes give the government defendants the superpowers they claim. How awesome is that? He goes on, not only do the statutes not specify such superpowers, but principles of separation of powers weigh heavily against such powerful authority being transferred to a government agent by a general authority, end quote. And he finally concludes this memorandum with, if the separation of powers meant anything to the constitutional framers, it meant that the three necessary ingredients to deprive a person of liberty or property, the power to make rules, to enforce them, and to judge their violations, could never fall into the same hands. If the executive branch is allowed to usurp the power of the legislative branch to make laws, two of the three powers conferred by the Constitution would be in the same hands. If human nature and history teach anything, it is that civil liberties face grave risks when governments proclaim indefinite states of emergency. During a pandemic such as this one, it is even more important to safeguard the separations of power set forth in our Constitution to avoid erosions of our liberties. The final injunction granted against the Democrats' vaccine mandate is in regards to federal contractors and subcontractors. Now, this one just hit a couple days ago. It was largely filled with a bunch of legalese about whether or not the various federal statutes permits the president to make such an open-ended proclamation from his pulpit. The most important finding in that memorandum was the constitutional argument. Quote, the court acknowledges the tragic toll that the COVID-19 pandemic has wrought throughout the nation and the globe. However, in times of crisis, this court must preserve the rule of law and ensure that all branches of government act within the bounds of their constitutionally granted authorities. End quote. Doesn't that sound a little bit familiar from the previous case? In other words, the judge correctly concludes that the U.S. Constitution is not suspended because of a virus. 
point of this episode was to bring together in one place the findings of the three injunctions from the different courts in different parts of the country, and in order to demonstrate just how authoritarian the Democrats' power grab is or was. The chief executive officer of the country, the president, can issue executive orders all day long, but they only apply to the executive branch of which he is the CEO, not the whole country. You would think a guy who has been a senator or a VP or a president since 1972 would know that. You can bet your ass that Biden does know that, which is what makes this so outrageous. Think about it. If the vaccine mandate was such a wonderful idea, why didn't the democratically controlled Congress pass an unconstitutional law forcing it on the American people? Could it have anything to do with the fact that Anyone who voted for such a blatant authoritarian measure would most certainly lose their next election. The only reason Biden put it out there is because he's a patsy. He is so cognitively impaired that he won't even make it through his first term, or at least I would be surprised if he did. And if he does, he won't be running again. Speaking of Congress, or specifically the Senate, the final nail in the coffin of the vaccine mandate Beyond the injunctions was the Senate's 52-48 to 48 vote against the mandate just a couple days ago. It's still pretty creepy to think there are 48 Democrats willing to vote for this shit, but par for the course given the current composition of the Democratic Party. The bottom line is, if this was about stopping the spread and protecting public health, the testing standards would apply to everyone, not just the unvaxxed. This is just so stupid it boggles the mind. The vaccinated who can carry, spread, and get sick are not required to get tested. So they are free to roam the workplace, potentially COVID-positive, spreading the virus among the known COVID-negative, unvaxxed co-workers. That's the definition of stupid. If stopping the spread was the goal, we would hear public service announcements about how to acquire known therapeutics like ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, and how to get the monoclonal antibody treatment. And our public officials would emphasize that you must get these treatments as soon as you are diagnosed. But see, the vaccine mandate isn't about stopping the spread. It's about power, and it's about control. It's important for you to understand that we are dealing with people with totalitarian leanings. Some are flat-out Marxists and or communists. Others are just run-of-the-mill leftists who, for whatever reason, are inclined to trust those in authority. They trust the experts. They love Fauci the fraud, Fauci the perjurer. It doesn't matter how bad the guy is, they love him. It's as if they want to be told what to do, as if they've lost all ability or desire to think for themselves, to think critically and ask questions. But what is most interesting is that when Trump was the president and pushing the vaccine, many of these same people rightfully swore off the vaccine as untested and unproven. But wow! Now that a Democrat's in the White House, they are, will willingly take the jabs and the boosters without even thinking twice, and they'll cast aspersions on all the unvaxxed. That's some screwed up shit. And that's the truth about the injunctions against the Democrats' vaccine mandate. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. 